Well, it's great to be with you on this uh, August 22nd, 2021, and uh, each Sunday I see people I haven't seen for about, uh, at least in person, for about 18 months, but good to have you all here today. So last Sunday, I began a four-week series of messages uh, entitled, In All Things, Love. And uh, it was based on 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 to 7, and the reason I did this, um, started this series of messages was because of all the craziness that has gone on uh, politically and socially, uh, especially during the lockdown, the pandemic, and a lot of all the conspiracy theories that have been floating around and that sort of thing, and the kind of division that it has created um, in society, in churches, in families, and so on. And I had a lot of you uh, last week, uh, either in person after the service or by email or text, said, hey, thank you, Pastor, for uh, speaking to this issue uh, in your preaching. But I did have a conversation yesterday with somebody, and uh, um, this person's here today, so I'm not going to call you up on the platform so you can relax. Uh, but I did have a conversation yesterday, and you might be hearing from this person next week. We talked about, I said, maybe I'll interview you, but who had a little bit of a different feeling about it. And I mentioned last week in the message, anti-vaxxers, you know, and um, the conspiracy theories behind the COVID-19 vaccines. And I cautioned the people that were watching and listening to say, you know, let's not get caught up in a whole bunch of speculation. And that's what Paul was writing to Timothy and to Titus about, you know, foolish speculations. Um, but this person um, and her family have not received the vaccines yet and said, you know, it, it was a little bit jarring when you talked about the anti-vaxxers because it was sort of like you lumped us all in with everybody else, like the conspiracy theorists. And we have reasons, personal reasons, for why we haven't received the vaccine. And I have talked to people about that personally. and said, you know, we have health reasons. Uh, in fact, somebody I just talked to a, a week ago said, my doctor advised us because of immune deficiency and so on that we should not get it at this time. And so I just really wanted to kind of walk that back a little bit to say, you know what? People have different reasons for why they do or don't do something. The thing that I just really wanted to hit on, though, in last week's message and going forward is we just have to make sure that in our opinions that we are humble about them and that we don't use them as a cause to uh, divide. And so over the next three Sundays, I want to continue to address the issue of the divisiveness that um, all of this is caused in society, in churches, um, and in families. And I have to say, as far as I can tell, uh, in First Church of Nazarene here in Calgary, we've, we've been spared of so much of that. I've talked to pastors who say, you know what, Brian, he said, this has just re you know, really uh, divided our church, has divided our church board. And, and, I, and so thank you again for your spirit of love and unity through all of this. Um, so my goal is to show from Scripture over the next three Sundays how we as Christians should respond to those we disagree with. And not just about these issues that would have been in the news in the last year and a half. You know, what about people who say, more hymns, less choruses? <laughs> or more contemporary songs and fewer hymns? Or the way we should dress, whether you should wear a tie or no tie, and, and that sort of thing. And you know, this is where we have to understand what the Bible says about how we should treat one another over those areas that we disagree. We can still see, uh, we, we can still walk in hand in hand, in hand if we don't see 
eye to eye. And so the truth is, uh, the conspiracy theories and things that have been floating around and all the speculations have unfortunately caused a spirit of suspicion uh, between people who maybe formerly trusted each other and knew that they were on the te- same team. Uh, it's caused Christians to sometimes judge each other uh, unfairly and even to use things like masks and vaccines as a symbol of our allegiance to Jesus Christ. Oh, you got the vaccine, you're one of them. Or you didn't get the vaccine, you're one of those over there. And I just want to caution us about this, and this is where the Scripture is going to speak to it today. And so there's a word that we're going to practice together. Can everybody say, shibboleth? Okay, can everybody go, shh? Okay. Now, how many of you could not go, shh? Anybody that couldn't say that? Okay. Because if you couldn't say it, um, you would have been a Gileadite if you had not been able to go shuh. Because uh, there's a story in Judges chapter 12, and you can look it up. So don't do it now. You'll just get, it'll be distracting. Anyway, in Judges chapter 12, there's a story about uh, how the Ephraimites and the Gileadite, Gileadites were at war, and the Gileadites lost. They were defeated by the Ephraimites. And so anyway... The uh, Gileadite survivors, those who survived the battle, were trying to sneak across the Jordan River to get back home, you know, and try to pose as if they were, you know, um, an Ephraimite. And so what happened is the Ephraimites knew that the Gileadites couldn't go shh. All they could go was So they would, instead of saying shibboleth, they'd go sibboleth. And so it was kind of like a password to get across. And if they couldn't, say the shh off with their head, basically, was kind of how it went. And so a shibboleth has come to refer, it's, it's sort of symbolic of something, that, a way that we could distinguish who's in and who's out, who's us and who's them. It's, it's a, like an identity marker. That's what a shibboleth is. Hey, now you can add that to your vocabulary. Um, it's a way for us, and you can see this picture here, of separating us from them. And here's the problem, is when we get into the us-them mentality in the church because we have differences, then that interrupts the unity and the love that God so much wants for us. So, some of you have probably experienced judgment. In fact, I know some of you have because I've received uh, text messages and emails from some of you who said, you know what, there's members of my family that are really upset with me because of my point of view on certain things. And so I do know that there has been a lot of uh, division over these things. But uh, St. Augustine, is, it's a, this quote is attributed to him, and I mentioned it last week. I'll say it again. And this is where the sermon title came from, the series title. He said, in the essentials unity, the essential things and doctrines of the church, beliefs and so on, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. And that would go to things like you know, how you dress in church, whether you sing hymns or contemporary songs. That would go to whether we have wooden pews or seats like the ones we have. That would go to things like what time we have church, whether it should be on Sunday or Saturday, that sort of thing. It would go to things like masks and vaccines and so on and so forth, and who you vote for in the federal election. Because we have differences. He says, in the essentials unity, in the non-essentials liberty, give liberty to people. Be gracious. And then he says, in all things, love. Doesn't matter what we agree with or disagree with, we 
ought to love and must love one another. So last week we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 1. Um, now the next three Sundays we're going to look into Romans 14. Uh, Carmen Bradley, thank you so much Carmen, uh, read the first 13 verses of Romans 14 and we're going to keep working our way through that passage and on into chapter 15 on the third Sunday. Now Paul was writing to Christians in Rome, in the city of Rome, and um, there was there were some disputes that going on between people that were a bit more Jewish in their understanding of faith and those who were more Gentile. Uh, there, were, uh, there was a mix of Jews who had become Christ followers, and then there were Gentiles, people who were not Jewish at all, who became followers of Christ. And they, there were some disagreements about things like what you were permitted to eat. Now, you all know that certain foods are kosher or not kosher for Jewish people. And so, one, you know, pork and uh, shellfish and, and, and that sort of thing. And what happened was, there's a lot of people who might be more Gentile in their thinking who would say, you know, we can eat anything. It doesn't matter. I'm saved by faith, through faith, you know, by, uh, in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what I eat. But to a Jewish Christian, some of them kind of like, well, wait a minute. I grew up learning that, you know, I shouldn't eat certain things. Same thing is, is in terms of special days. Uh, some people believe that some days were more special than others, like the Sabbath. Or for us, you know, like the Lord's Day. Uh, other people would observe, they, like the Jewish people, feasts and festivals, like the Feast of Tabernacles and so on. But to the Gentiles who had no history with that and didn't really know the Old Testament, to them it didn't really matter. You know, I'm saved by faith, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and that's, that's, that's good. That's, that's all I need. And so there were some disputes about that. So the question was that Paul was addressing was, how should Christians think and behave when we disagree over these disputable matters. Now that's the term, and it's translated in various ways. Disputable matters. I would call them gray areas. Now I have met with Christians, some of you here today perhaps, you know, Pastor, it's all black and white. And I say back, no, it's not. It's not all. In the essentials, Unity. In the non-essentials, the gray areas, liberty. In all things, love. There is gray, and that's what Paul's talking about. There's some things that we differ on. A lot of it has to do with how we grew up, the family and our background, our church culture, and whether we went to church or didn't go to church growing up, and, and all of that. So here's what he says in this passage, Romans 14, that was read for you. He says, first of all, do not judge. Don't be quick to pass judgment. Sometimes we're too quick to jump to conclusions and pass judgment. Now remember, I'm referring to the gray areas, not to key doctrines of the church. Be convinced in your own mind about what is right for you, but don't pass judgment on those who think differently unless the Bible is very, very clear on it. And then don't make these disputable issues, these gray areas, a test of faith. Oh, well, you do that? Or you don't do this? Oh, you're out. You know, you're, you're, you're part of that tribe. You're not part of my tribe. No, he says, don't do that. Don't be quick to pass judgment. Second thing, and this will be what I'll focus on next week, do no harm. So do not judge, but do no harm to your neighbor. Do not put a stumbling block or an obstacle in the path of a, another person, Christian or not, that will cause them to stumble in faith. That means that we need to be willing to give up 
Now, this speaks to what went on during the lockdown. I need to, as a Christian, in love, I need to be willing to say, you know what? If that troubles you and puts a stumbling block in your way, I won't do it. At least not in front of you. I will not do that. And so I know that there's people that would say, you know, you shouldn't wear a hat uh, at the dinner table. You shouldn't wear a hat in church. And so some people might kind of go, where in the Bible does it say you can't wear a hat in church, you know? And um, definitively, like, where does it say that? So they say, I, I can wear a hat if I want to, because I don't think that's, a, a, you know, like a, a big sin. But the point is, if you go into a community where that, to them, makes them uncomfortable, would you not be willing to say, you know what? I know that really could hurt you and offend you. I'll take it off. And that's just respect. That's what love does. So do no harm. Um, if we choose to ignore a custom or tradition that another person believes is sacred or essential, or if we flaunt our freedom, like outrageously flaunt it, like, oh yeah, well I'm going to do that anyway, get over it. You know, if we take that attitude, that's not a good attitude. That's not Christ. So we have a core value. We have seven core values in the church, and I preached on those. Uh, and, well, not just me, but we preached on those uh, some months ago, the seven core values. Core value number five is this. Okay, it's servant leadership, basically, but we put others before ourselves. Can we just say that out loud? We put others before ourselves. Servant leadership. But, you know, even if you're not a leader yet, you still practice being a servant to others, humbling ourselves before others and saying, it's not about me, this is about you. And so servant leadership says, I don't want to do anything that will harm you, so do no harm. The third thing is pursue peace. And I'll talk about that on the third Sunday. Don't allow differences of opinion in the gray areas to be a source of schism, divisiveness in the church. We need to pursue peace where we can. And that is a core value. That's core value number six which in our church is pursue peace. That means if you got a problem with somebody and they've sinned against you or you think they've offended you in some way, it is up to you as the offended person to go to that person and try to make it right and say, hey, i got to talk to you. This is really negative, and I don't, want to, I don't want to give Satan a foothold in my life. And I just, you know, or maybe if you know you've wounded someone's spirit, you might go to them and say, you know, I, I need you to forgive me. I was really careless the other day in my, in my words, and I, I'm afraid I may have hurt your feelings. That's pursue peace, is to try to bring reconciliation where you can. So today we're going to focus on these first 13 verses, and I'm going to go through this fairly quickly because I've got three weeks to get through all this stuff. Um, so the background to the church is the Gentile Christians in Rome outnumbered the Jewish Christians. There was more of them than there were there. And they were more liberated. So, you know, to them, if they were here today, you know, they would probably not worry about things like how they dressed or whether they wore a hat in church or what kind of seating you had. They'd be kind of like, hey, the Bible doesn't really speak to it specifically, so I guess we have freedom to do what we, what we want. And what he's saying here is, hang on a second. He's saying there are other people who have more scruples than you do about these things. Um, and some of the believers that might have been more Jewish-leaning kind of, they had more scruples about the way they would dress and how they would observe certain days of the week and, and the kind of foods that they would eat. And they might even suffer a little bit from a false sense of guilt over things that they might do that the more liberated Christian might not suffer at all. And so the reason that these more liberated Christians 
felt so free was because they, were, they really understood at a deep level, I am saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, and it's not by works. It's Jesus did it all. You know, that, that's what, and they're, they're saying, it isn't Jesus, okay, I have to have faith in Jesus, plus I need to do this, 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 and this, these, these legalistic things, S- ceremonial things, and, you know, God's concerned about how I dress and, 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 and what I eat and all, and, and the, the person says, no, no, it's, it's not about that. And the fact of the matter is we should take care of our bodies. You know, Nazarenes don't really think you should smoke cigarettes, you know, as a habit. Because it's not good for the body. But the point is, we don't make that an issue of salvation. And so the liberated Christian understood that. But some people, so what happened was the the Apostle Paul said, the liberated Christian who was more free, he called them the strong. They have strong faith. Strong faith in Christ. The other person, he said, had weak faith. They weren't as maybe mature in their understanding. That's what Paul's saying. Their, their understanding is a little less mature. So what he's saying is, you who are strong, don't put a stumbling block in, in, in the way of those who might be a little bit weaker in their understanding, in their faith. Or maybe they've got an overly sensitive co- uh, sense of conscience. So I was a pastor in Drumheller, from 1979 to 1985, and we had a young man in our church. And we had an altar call just about every Sunday. Now, an altar call is where at the end of the sermon, you know, somebody would play on the piano or the organ, and then we would invite people to come and pray. You know, if something in the sermon spoke to you and you want to confess your sin, or if you want to become a Christian, come to the altar and kneel, and somebody will pray with you. Well, this young man, I mean, and my wife knows who I'm talking about, he come to the altar practically every Sunday. Almost every Sunday, but here he comes. You know, I got to the point where I wasn't even going to do an altar call anymore because I thought, well, I felt like I was, you know, taking advantage. And I remember going out with him once for lunch or coffee, and we got talking about this. And he had such a sensitive conscience, what, I would, what Paul would call a weak conscience. It's weak because it's easily wounded that if he was walking down the street and he saw a bubblegum wrapper that someone didn't throw in the garbage, and if he walked by and didn't pick it up, he'd feel that God was going to judge him for that. That's how bad it got. And so his conscience was so stricken all the time. And Paul's saying, there's people like that in the church. They just, they're overly sensitive about things that maybe they shouldn't be. And so he said, be patient with those. So Here was the Apostle Paul's advice to those who were weak in their faith, who had a more overly sensitive conscience. He said they should not stand in judgment on those who he calls the strong, who are more liberated. Now, this is what happens. People who are very, very legalistic, and some of you here today might have that leaning, maybe. You know who you are. Anyway, if you're a little bit more legalistic in rule-keeping, you know, and it, not because it's in the Bible, just because it's the way that you've always thought, the way you grew up, the way you were taught by your parents, and so on, there's a tendency to be judgmental. You know, to, so you see somebody kind of, you know, wearing a hat in church, and you're kind of like, oh, look at, look at that person. What kind of a Christian are they, you know? 
and, you, and we judge them in our heart. And it, the Apostle Paul is saying, you know, we ought not to be so quick to pass judgment in these areas that are gray, these disputable matters. But then he has advice to the strong. He says to those who are strong, and you think you really know something that the other person doesn't know, and you think, hey, they just don't understand that it's not about religion, and it's not about being legalistic. We're free. We've got the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God lives in me, and it's not about all these rules and all that, and they have a tendency to look down their nose with contempt upon those that they consider weak in their faith. He's saying, both of you are wrong. Stop doing that. Get along. But he puts the onus on those who consider themselves strong. He puts the onus and the responsibility on those who are more mature in the faith. And he said, if you think that you are mature in your faith and you have a really good understanding of things, then you need to exercise patience and grace and tolerance to those who don't understand things the way you do. And don't be quick to condemn them. Be patient. Give them time to mature. But, he said, be careful at the same time that you don't put a stumbling block. So, many of you know this. Can you see that I'm not wearing a tie? Okay, we're going to take, we're going to take, okay, I'm going to show hands. How many of you are offended that I'm not wearing a tie? Don't answer. Okay. <laughs> Some of you might be. But I, I remember when I used to wear a tie, some of you know this story, I wore a tie because one person in our church, and it was an older lady who was a saint and was very, very well known and had quite a history with the Church of the Nazarene, and she, she, if, she, when, if I wasn't wearing a tie, she'd come up to me and kind of, you know, with a little bit of a smirk, but also with furrowed brows, they'd Pastor, where's your tie? You know, and I wore it for her. The next Sunday, or the Sunday after that, after she passed away, I got rid of the tie. It's really uncomfortable, you know. And so, and here's the point. I did it for her, but I, how far do we go in accommodating ourselves to someone who thinks something is important that maybe we don't think is important? Personally, I don't think it matters, you know. It really doesn't. Jesus didn't wear a tie, so, you know, and everybody's just, duh, okay. Yeah, he didn't wear a tie. But the point is, is that I need to be willing to accommodate myself for someone that might be offended or hurt or wounded by my behavior. And I go, what hill am I going to die on here? Really? Am I going to die on the hill of, I don't care what you say. You show me in the Bible where it says I got to wear a tie. I'm not going to wear a tie. I don't care what you think. No. I'm not going to die on that hill. Am I going to divide the church and split the church over something so silly? No, I'm not going to do that. And there's a lot of concessions I've made just like that in this church. And I've had people say to me, you're going too far in making those concessions. I'm going, you know what? I'm happy to do it. No skin off my nose. Because you know what? I care about people. And we all should. So what he's saying here is the, the more legalistic person, like in, in, in his day, the Jewish more leaning person who, you know, certain foods are unclean and certain days are more special and, you know, and if you don't, you know, if you eat those foods or if you don't observe those days, you're not a Christian. You know, uh, he's saying to those people, he said, you know what, uh, 
those Gentile people, those more liberated people, they don't have to become like you to be in with God. It doesn't matter. Stop judging them. Stop condemning them. But he would also say to the more liberated people, don't you judge those to whom those things are important. Let them be. Now, if they're wrong in their understanding and they're too legalistic, work with them. Give them some teaching, but take some time, you know. But it's sometimes hard to know where to draw that line. I struggle. I struggle knowing where to draw that line. How much do I accommodate myself to people and, and their scruples? I make it a matter of prayer, folks. I really do. I just make it a matter of prayer. I pray, Lord, what should I do? What should I do? This person thinks this. I don't agree. God, what do you think? And I make it a matter of prayer. I make, it's not in the Bible. It doesn't tell me. I make it a matter. Would you make it a matter of prayer? And in all things, love. And so in a sense, and there's a little picture here with the number, a number that gets easily confused depending on what side of it you're on. Have you got that there, Aaron? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I did this last week. We got a burned out bulb uh, projector in this side. So one person is saying nine, the other saying six. And you know what? They're both right. And you know what I mean by that? God is saying, I don't care if you wear a suit and tie, and I don't care if you don't. You're both right. Just stop bothering each other. Love each other. And so this is what it says. So this will come up on the screen. Verses 1 to 4, Romans 14. He says, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over gray areas. Okay, that's my words. And you can read the rest. And then he says in verse 4, Who are you to judge someone else's servant? Whose servant are you, Melva? Whose servant? Are you my servant? No. Whose servant are you? Okay, you didn't say Nelson. Your husband. Okay. All right. He was hoping you would. Okay. You are, God, you are God's servant. I am God's servant. He says, don't judge somebody else. You are, we all answer to God at the end. Look at this. Verses 10 onward. He says, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? He's talking to both sides of this. For we will all stand before whose judgment seat? God's judgment seat. When it comes to these gray areas and to the areas that are black and white, we're all going to answer to God one day. So stop being so judgmental is what he's saying. Verse 12, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves, emphasis on ourselves. We'll give an account of, so I'm going, am I going to give an account of my wife Colleen to God? No. She'll give an account of herself. I will give an account for myself, not for the other person. So let us stop passing judgment. Make up your mind, though, not to put a stumbling block or obstacle in the way of others. So it's wrong for Gentile believers who are very liberated to look with disdain upon their Jewish brothers and sisters because they follow these customs. It's equally wrong for Jewish Christians to expect Gentiles to follow all their rules and customs. Live and let live in the gray areas. Live and let live. So I want to just kind of cut to the chase here. And then we'll conclude we can generalize the Apostle Paul's advice this way. Stop passing judgment on each other. And that means in the heart, but also with our words. And I'll talk about this more in the next couple of weeks. 
A spirit of judgment easily turns into gossip and slander. And I mentioned this last week, you know, people who are saying, you know, people who say, you know, Anthony Fauci, you know, is the, you know, the devil's minion and Bill Gates and then the Illuminati and the deep state and they're making all these, you know what folks, it's slanderous. And the Bible says slander is a sin. And I go, boy, you better have really good evidence. But I think we need to be careful. We say, well, it's, we, I don't know them, and they're just famous people, and it doesn't matter what I say about them. It does matter. It matters to God. Because God looks at your heart, and if your heart is filled with evil suspicions, that's what Paul called them, that are ungrounded in reality, he's saying, come on, you've got to stop doing that. Uh, but we do it to each other. I've seen it in churches where there's evil suspicions and people are making judgments and then those judgments turn to gossip or slander. They pass things along that they shouldn't. And this is the thing I was trying to say last week. Whatever you think about these things, uh, QAnon or the vaccine or the masks, just keep it to yourself. That's what Paul's saying in this teaching in Romans 14. I really challenge you to read and meditate upon it this week. He's saying, be convinced in your own mind, but stop judging each other and don't put a stumbling block in the way. And so look at this, James chapter 4. Uh, I love this passage. He says, do not, brothers, he says, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister. So when you speak against somebody, you've slandered them. That's what slander means, is to speak against them. He said, when you speak against them or judge them, you speak against the law, God's law, and you're judging it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it, but you're sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, he says, who are you to judge your neighbor? There's one lawgiver and judge, the one who can save and destroy. But you, who are you? He said, that's what he's saying. Who are you? Who are you to judge them? Know your place. That's what he's saying. So that's... He's saying, stop judging each other. Another thing he's saying is stop arguing over things that the Bible doesn't talk about. Stop arguing about those gray areas. Not everything needs to be resolved. Now, how, I know a lot of you love to resolve all the tensions. So how many of you, if you're, okay, we, we got two accountants sitting over here. You want to find that penny, right? Yeah, okay. You want to make sure that the books are balanced and doing all that stuff. But the fact is, in real life, it doesn't always work that way. Um, and so, some of you and sitting here today, we've had some, and I'm looking at some of you, we've had some theological debates, and they've been very friendly. We've had theological debates. We don't agree on certain points of theology. And, we, and I find I always learn something from somebody who has a differing point of view from me. And I hope they learn something from me. But guess what? So here's the question is, how comfortable am I to not resolve it? How comfortable am I that you can just have a belief or a point of view that is different than mine and I don't have to force you to agree with me? And that's the point. That's why Paul says, be convinced in your own mind. But stop judging. Don't argue about it. It's not worth it. And so that's why this sermon series is called, this will come up on the screen, in all things, love. Just love. Some things are not problems to be solved. They're tensions to be managed. 
a lot of things are just tensions to be managed, and we're always living in these tensions. I'm looking around at husbands and wives, and I could tell you right now, because I know most of you well enough, I know that you don't all agree on everything. I know that for a fact. You, some of you don't even vote for the same political party. You know, I know that, but you love each other. Okay, so I'm going to skip some slides here and just cut to the chase. Here's the point. I would say this, is that a right spirit is more important than a right opinion. It really is. And that's where we have to leave it for today. That's the teaching of Romans chapter 14. And so I was listening to a podcast where Tim Keller was being, and he's a pastor at Redeemer Church in New York. He's a prolific author as well. Uh, man of God, Tim Keller, and he was talking about freedom. And he said, the problem with the contemporary understanding of freedom is that we think we're freed from. We think we're free from all restrictions. I'm free to just do as I please, when I please, you know. He said, no, no, no. It's a wrong understanding. We're free for something. And freedom always in a a democratic society, you know, with democratic ideals, I I have to always limit my freedoms for the common good. For the common good. If, if, If the exercise of my freedom hurts, offends, or wounds another, then I should limit the exercise of that freedom. That's all through the teaching of the Bible, particularly in the New Testament. And he said this, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, the Holy Trinity, who were in an eternal fellowship of love before we were ever created. Jesus needed nothing. He had everything. And he had all the freedom and all the liberty and all the glory. And for love, what did he do? He came down. And he built a bridge from heaven to earth through the cross. And he laid down his life. He laid down his rights. He laid down his freedoms. He emptied himself. He divested himself of all his glory in order that he might love us. And he says, follow me. That's the gospel. And that's really what's behind the writing of Paul in Romans 14. So I want us just to pray. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come and they're going to sing one last song. Would you just pray this? Lord, help me to not be so quick to judge others. To be humble enough to recognize that I'm not perfect and to hold on to my opinions loosely. And Father, I pray that you would help me to learn to keep my opinions to myself unless I'm asked. And if I do share my opinions, that I do it in a spirit of humility and gentleness. Help me, Lord, to listen more than I speak. And Lord, help me not to do anything that would cause another person to stumble or that would cause needless offense or to wound 
their conscience or their spirit. Help me to do what Jesus did, Father, to be willing to deny myself, to take up my cross and follow you, and to be willing to lay down my life for the other. And lastly, Father, I pray that you would help me to accept others in love, to not make a shibboleth out of something that is non-essential, to be willing to limit my freedoms and to waive my rights for the sake of love to lay down my life for the other. In the essentials, unity. In the non-essentials, liberty. And in all things, love. Amen.